Hey guys, Roshan here from Saturday Selects and I would like to welcome you to Sync. Sync is a new podcast series under Saturday Selects that looks to have a deeper conversation with key people in the creative industry, particularly music, both locally and around the world. The mission of this podcast is to dig into the minds of those behind the scenes and on the front lines of our industry and understand why they do what they do and what makes them tick. Having been involved in the Malaysian music scene for myself for the past four years, these people have been major inspirations to a lot of my fellow peers and myself included. But before we begin, I'd like to firstly thank the amazing people at 10 Points Up for jumping on board and collaborating with us and helping us bring the series to life. Collaboration is key and we're going to be speaking more about how important it is in every episode. Our guest this week is a name that has been synonymous with the Malaysian hip-hop movement for almost a decade. A rapper, entrepreneur and a music enthusiast, this guy has played pivotal roles in breaking new artists, providing platforms for the unheard and booking underground rappers you thought you'd never see in KL. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Jin Hackman. Alright, hey Jin, how's it going man? What's up man, I'm good. How are you? Okay, um... I mean, like the daycare is closed, right? So <laughs> I'm basically chasing the kid around every day. Uh, at home? <laughs> at home, yeah. But today, you know, there's a bit of, you know, I get a bit of rest. Uh, once, twice a week, we, we, we send him to his grandma's place. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. So Thank you so much for coming on board the show. And no worries, really man. My pleasure, you, man. You've made I'm the honored time. to be on this. Yeah. You, you've, you are clearly one of the key inspirations and motivations to myself likewise uh, yeah. for a starting saturday select seeing like what raising the bar has done over the past 10 years of being around and we're all <laughs> <laughs> old but still relevant man like you guys yeah. are still posting stuff on instagram you know you've started the whole spotify playlist thing which is awesome so it yeah. i'm really happy we, to see we try to RTB keep up. coming up <laughs> That's we great. try to keep up with people like you <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna kick off the the conversation we're about to have with a guy that probably brings back uh, some memories for you mm -hmm. uh the name alda evan thun definitely brings back those memories especially in the early days of raising the bar when you started it with uh, Pony and Mr. Dan yeah uh, how did you come up with the name raising the bar at the time and what was the mission that you guys had by starting raising the bar in 2010 oh wow I don't quite remember how I came up with the name but I have a feeling it was um, it was a dumbfounded freestyle oh, um, I think he put out a freestyle and I just checked this like before I came here um, he put out a freestyle um, and it was nine years ago so I guess it checks out right um, he put out a freestyle called raise the bar freestyle okay. um, and that that's probably how I got the name but I'm not so sure yeah is that where the chant at every show came from raise the bar raise the bar raise the bar raise oh, no, we how just ran with the raising the bar how did name, that come and up after that um, I think we just needed like some kind of um, catch phrase you know in in those in in those moments where the crowd's kind of dying and they're quiet so we're yeah. like okay how do we how do we get them excited how do we rile them up right so we're like okay let's just do whenever we have nothing to say just just do this raise the bar raise the bar raise mm -hmm. it everyone does it and then you know um it kind of just caught on from yeah and it, it just caught on yeah I'm, I'm getting a bit annoyed by it uh, at this <laughs> point but i'm like yeah it's too late to change it or not, I don't know. <laughs> but I guess the mission um, of raising the bar, when we started raising the bar, there was no 
um, you know, there was no conscious decision um, about like you know making it a platform or anything like that. Um, how it started was um, so Alda was 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 heavily organizing gigs, you know, in the scene, right? So okay. mostly rock rock gigs, right? And um, I knew him because he lived really close to me in the Mantra Padana. Okay. Um, so he hit me up one day and asked me. Um, if I wanted to put together something at, at this venue that he was managing, okay. and this venue was uh, Artista Bar. Whoa, yeah. okay. <laughs> so this was um, Tropicana City Mall, right? Um, right so that yeah. was the that was our first show, and you know it was meant to be a one-off, um, but the response was good. Uh, we had like 50 people coming out, but you okay. know the energy was great, and we decided to have another one, and then another one, and then another mm. one, and and you know, and before you know it, it's 10 years. Um, I remember vividly like the first raising the bar it was uh, we had Sona and Mal headline, we had um, Tagmatic. Okay. Um, I think like mid show there was a there was a, there was like some commotion. There was a fight, you know, <laughs> like that almost broke Standard out. Standard hip hop stuff. Like. Yeah, and and um, I think it was between. Uh, you know, at that point, there was a bit of tension between Caprice and Sona and Mal, oh, right? Yeah, 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 so, yeah, so that was the peak of, of the beef. Now right. they're cool. Now they're like, they've matured, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, everyone basically with the whole crowd, like, went outside um, to see what was happening. And Tag was supposed to get on stage. And he was on stage. And we're, like, trying to beg everyone to come back in. Hey, you know, Tag is performing, you know. But, like, it took, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> but, oh my God. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah, that was the first show. And we were, like, okay, let's do it. It, but um, prior to that, I had no experience like organizing gigs, shows. Um, so it was, it was just really trial and error. Like that first few years, just like you know, just yeah, it became Seeing like a learning process. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, you've you've been in the hip hop scene for ten years with raising the bar, and even previously, I've seen like behind the scenes videos and footages from uh, Cloth and Clef oh, yeah. with uh, Ego TV. <laughs> I've seen those videos. And yeah. it's crazy to see that there was a local hip hop scene that stemmed as early as the late 90s. Yeah, and that was our inspiration. Um, Raising the Bar is really an extension of, of um, what was happening at Cloth and Clef, at Palette Palette, yeah. right? Um, so it was Bomb Shelter. Yeah. Um, which also hosted a lot of hip hop gigs, but you know they were very underground. You know, yeah. like the hip hop boys would all come out, um, and then Think You Got Skills was more battle driven. Yeah. You know, like freestyles, uh, battle raps, um, beat beat making battles, and and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think what RTB did was uh, what RTB did was like we we took that format um, of bomb shelter. Uh, a bit of think you got skills as well because um, back in the day we used to do battles as well okay um, but we made it a bit more accessible um you know we were like okay this is a hip-hop gig but like how do we market it to people who don't necessarily look the role you know look the part right yeah. like because ideally you want to you know hit as many people as possible so i i think that was something that we were able to do okay. um, that Bomb Shelter uh, didn't do, yeah. Okay, you, you mentioned Bomb Shelter, Cloth and Clef, uh, Artista as well. We can't brush off the fact that Ghetto Heaven was the mecca of hip hop, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. At the yeah. time as a yeah. club night. And yeah. um, I think in the late 2000s, early 2010s, we had Chocolate High at Lust that really took it up a notch with the glitz and glam of hip hop. Like, right. That's, that was my first real experience with commercial, like yeah. bigger hip hop music. I used yeah. to go see DJ Biggie play. I was, 
I remember emceeing MC? um, a few nights. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I think I was filling in for someone. Okay. Um, so like I, I emceed for a few shows. I think I think it was Biggie. Definitely Chocolate Probably High. Probably Biggie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that's where I first met Sona One and Joe Flizzo, and I'm like, yo, like all these hip hop guys. Yo, Last was awesome. Like Last was um, one of our venues. Actually, we were running shows at Last for for a while. Okay. Mm. Wow. So it was kind of fun. Yeah. So we had to, you know, because because of, of um, the the type of venue it was so we had to adjust to that so it was a lot of like you know shape shifting and and just trying to make any venue work okay how how important were these venues club nights and live shows to the hip-hop ecosystem at the time i think it was so important so uh, i I think it was really important um, because you know you had basically like two fronts right like um at at the clubs you have the DJs taking like the center stage, right? Yeah. And then the MC, the rapper would play like a supporting role. Uh, when it comes to live shows, um, especially the ones that we organize, it's the other way around. You know, the, the, the DJ fills, fills in the gaps okay. and, you know, play that supporting role. So I think it's crucial for um, for for a healthy, like, like hip hop ecosystem for, for both to run simultaneously and you know therefore catering to different crowds as well yeah. you know and oftentimes they're like you know you, you see crossovers definitely yeah. like the, the live show kids would come out to you know last for example yeah. uh, to, to, to see a DJ spin and vice versa so okay. that needed to happen yeah and at the time hip hop was still kind of underground right yeah I think it it, it was yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't it was like the main sound. Yeah. Like EDM was like the main sound. I would say at the time with like Zook. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there were very you can you could count with on one hand like the 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 number of uh, hip hop nights you know in wow. clubs right at the time. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You mentioned that you had uh, promoted parties at Lust before. Oh yeah. Right? And you yeah. did Claude, Claude and Clef, Artista. I think being an event promoter is extremely difficult and stressful and in my own experience I've gone through like the ups and downs of being a promoter but the oh, payoff yeah. really comes at the end of the night oh yeah when you see everyone just like oh that was the best night people yeah. coming up to you and saying thank you for booking this guy because I never thought I yeah. would ever see him in KL do you have a couple of standout memories that has reassured you that being a promoter is something that you want to keep doing um just like you said right it's it's the end of the night and just seeing um the the, the faces of the crowd just yeah. really appreciating the performances and you know and, and when you take a step back and you just look at the size of the crowd yeah. and you know like likewise that the artists having fun on, on stage giving like 200 percent. so yeah. i think that is the biggest payoff because um, let's be honest i mean it, it takes a while to really turn a profit right when when you're when you're running events um, yeah. we lost shitload of money like on the first festival um, but then we learned from it right and then by the second one we were like okay we 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 know a bit about we know a bit more about what to do and what not to do yeah. so we were able to to not lose money and then make a little bit from uh, a little bit of profit so i think it's just it's just um it's just scaling right yeah, yeah. has there yeah. been any specific like one or two shows that have really like that specific show has assured you that uh, you want to keep promoting parties like even if it's like once a year i loved um the the, the two raise uh, rtb fest um 2013 and 2016 both in um, 
uh, kale pack kale packs yeah too. yeah so that, that was super fun man that was so fun and um 2013 was the tetari crew reunion, yeah, right? yeah 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 that was the tetari crew reunion and and for 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 someone like me for 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 you know for rtb to and and that was us being around for only um i think about three four years at that point right and for us to pull together a lineup like that i think it was crazy um and you know i mean obviously shout out to all the performance because yeah. they were really on board you know yeah. um and yeah it, everyone made it happen yeah so that was crazy yeah and likewise like 2016 one um we were a bit more ambitious yeah uh we had um we had more backing in terms of funding and stuff like that so we were able to book like a few international artists okay um so i think we had occasion yeah um themes as well <laughs> themes occasion yeah. occasion was um that was the height of that uh, ichima song right yeah uh, so it was perfect timing it was definitely perfect timing we all like we booked onra and he built something <laughs> happened in thailand oh, uh, so we replaced onra with i think was it, was it beat, beat bravo, bravo? yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it was good it was good I, at first yeah. i was like who's beat bravo then like, yeah, okay that's well, not bad good. Uh, that was part of the the, 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 the rbma initiative right yeah um and who else definitely regional artists um headliners were um joe and and akim so we yeah. position it as a budak baik versus budak Buda jahat. Jahat, jahat thing yeah uh, I remember. so yeah i mean we we have fun putting lineups together that's that's part of my that that's really fun for me okay yeah I so as, as you can see like um even though we had international acts at that point yeah. um our headliners were local acts yeah you know we always um we always prioritize or emphasize like um, local talent above anything else. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. mean, just segueing into the next question is, I've seen Karmal, Sona One, Ultimate, the whole Tetari crew. I saw Tak. I saw Ego, Darren Ashley. Everybody for the first time, like meeting them in person and watching them live at RTB Fest 2013. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. And to me I've never seen or been to a festival that had that amount of local artists in a single place. And yeah. I think that is something it's that It's a bit insane like if you look at the 2013 lineup, right? It's it was a lot madness. of madness. You know, in hindsight, I was like, why did I book so many <laughs> artists? Like, what the fuck was I thinking, you know? Um, definitely shot myself in the foot, but like, the the reward was was, was definitely there. And, you know... How yeah. did you go about <laughs> deciding who was going to be on the lineup, though? Um, I think at that point, we were like, let's just book everyone we can, you know? <laughs> Anyone who's available? I, I think we were, we were definitely because uh, we, uh, the budget wasn't great, right? Yeah. I think we had like only one or two brands uh, come... Uh, uh, come in at the point so we were definitely um, lowballing a lot of artists you know but like, <laughs> everyone just wanted to see this happen yeah you know like when was the last time you saw like a full-fledged hip-hop festival so, exactly. so everyone was on the same page you know okay. um, so when I when we got to 2016 um, because the budget was better therefore yeah. the artists got paid uh, better fees okay um, yeah so so that was the deal and um, yeah man like 
Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I rem- uh, 2013 was when Nash was playing with his with his shirt off. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. we had photos of that. It was like, oh, wow, shit, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, because we had that stage that was dedicated to just um, DJs, right? Yeah. It wasn't like a stage stage. It was like a tent. But that is always like the best place to be. You know, just the energy, just the energy itself. And we never had to have like a stage manager for that okay. because DJs just have this communication between them like unspoken thing and they're like okay your last song right okay done yeah. like no issues at all so yeah, but like with the other stage with the other stages we had like you know we had cut gen like uh, running, <laughs> running the main stage so there was a lot of headache you yeah know? So, I can like, imagine. the dj was just the dj stage was just autopilot <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> DJs doesn't know their thing. Yeah, like, it's like low maintenance. Yeah, <laughs> low maintenance. <laughs> DJs are low maintenance, according to Jen Hackman at festivals. But you spoke about booking international artists in 2016, and mm. you've booked a couple of international artists over the past 10 years mm. at raising the bar. I'm going to name some artists and uh, you're going to tell me maybe a short story or experience sure. that you had briefly with them. Uh, we're going to start off with probably one of my favorite like rappers that I never thought I'd see in Kill. One half of Sweatshop Boys, Heaps. Yeah. How was that? And you booked him twice too. I booked him twice because yeah. we, we just enjoyed hanging out with him, right? Yeah. Um, the first time was, uh, I think it was an RTBX 2C thing. Okay. Um, I don't remember how much we paid him. It wasn't a lot, but he was already touring Asia at the point. Right. Um, so I was connecting with this guy. Um, I think his name is Abe out in, in Shanghai. So he, he reached out and asked me if, um, you know, I wanted to take in Heems for a show. Um, and I think, I'm not sure if at that point I was already familiar with Heems. Okay. But anyway, like, after that, after hearing about Heems, uh, I probably did like research and I found out about Dust Races and yeah. I, I definitely became a, a fan. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think I already knew who Heems was, or at least Dust Races, right? Yeah. Um, so to even get like one third of the group, I was super excited. Yeah. So we, we, we made it happen. And then um, I think uh, 2016 just so happened he came to Asia again yeah. you know around the same time as the festival yep. and we're like oh this is perfect and and you know my wife is like pro hymns and, <laughs> yeah, pro yeah and, and we brought him in again okay. and you know took him to Kampong Baru for lunch <laughs> and he had a great time at the festival like oh, by yeah, the end I of mean, the night I think I like, remember seeing him backstage people had to carry him out or <laughs> <Yeah>. something <laughs> and he performed with like a shawl on his face yeah like, he's I so think, crazy he yeah. was doing this one thing where he took the mic right and he went really close to the, to mic, the, uh, to the speakers, speakers right just to just, cause feedback yeah. and I think a lot of people for those that uh, for, for those that weren't uh, familiar with themes you yeah. know, that was super weird like what is this guy doing? doing? Why is RTB booking people like this? <laughs> and RTB to, switching yeah, directions. Yeah, and to everyone else, it's just like some inside joke, right? Yeah, yeah. but it is great. He's it's, it's definitely like one of my favorite um, bookings so far. That's so dope. Yeah, nice. in terms of like being just, just being a chill, chill ass guy. Okay, yeah. the next artist I have is Homeboy Sandman. Homeboy Sandman yeah. was a bit of a rush. Uh, okay. you, you took photos for yeah. the show. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Oh, it was, was a bit of rush. Yeah, DP, right? The yeah, yeah. This was this What's happened. What's the venue? Life uh, Act. Uh, no, not Life no, Act. No, not Life Act. Uh, uh, play Space. Ah, Play Space. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this was Daman Sarapadana, right? Yeah. Um, and that happened on a very short notice. I think um, Stussy also supported that yeah, show. Yeah, they did. I remember. Yeah, that really made sense because I think uh, there was already some kind of. 
um, partnership between Homeboy Sandman and and Stussy, okay. you know, globally, right? So we're like, okay, like um, because of this, we'll we'll speak to Stussy and and uh, KL and see if they want to do something. Okay. Um, so they came in. I think they they foot. Um, maybe half of the bill and we relied on ticket sales for to cover the rest of the expenses right okay. um, but even though we didn't get to really hang out with them they I think they were really tired right yeah. he, um, homeboy and and, and his, his DJ and, and, and then the DJ the as DJ well so I think they look like really really exhausted so yeah. they just wanted to be in the hotel and the next day we just say like hey good show man like okay ciao and then we <laughs> put them in a, wow. in a crap and then they went to the airport um, but the show itself was was amazing I think um, the start of the show when the, the DJ was facing some technical difficulties yeah. right with, with his turntables um home like homeboy like sandman he, he didn't stop he, he didn't get off stage he was yeah. already on stage and what he did i remember was um he he started beating his chest okay you know and then he he, he got everyone the whole crowd to do it and then he rapped on that wow yeah so there was like mind-blowing and and he you could see he's he's a true performer he really knows how to rock a crowd He's so comfortable, like on that stage, just working the crowd. So that was amazing. Nice. Yeah, wow. he's like a really, really like hip hop MC. Guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not, it's not like he's not like a vibe kind of guy. He's like, hey, I gotta work my ass off to get this crowd to <laughs> like me, kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> especially I think there was about like ninety people in the, in the yeah, crowd, yeah, yeah, ninety, hundred people. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that was the first night I saw Page Out play. Right. Says Lefty, and right. I was like. I remember yeah. coming up to you and I was like, that's my lecturer. <laughs> what? Well, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, what is yeah. my lecturer doing so DJ? Awesome, awesome because it's, he has such an eclectic taste, right? Exactly. So we felt like he really fit the bill. Yeah. Um, and we didn't want to book like, we didn't want to always book like obvious, you know, hip hop right, DJs, DJs yeah. right? So we're like, okay, let's try something new with this one. And then, you know, with that, we were able to also tap into a, a much mature crowd yeah. you know um with but better understanding or um with um who like people who actually know like the existence of stone's show yeah you know um yeah so that was cool yeah last but not least occasion how was that uh occasion was was cool he was really really cool um he came with his um his manager um Fuck, I forgot his name, but basically the manager runs the label called Highlight Records. Okay. Um, so on, on Highlight Records, there are guys like Ready, um, G2, um, and then of course, I, I don't think Occasion is, is still on, on, on the label. Um, but yeah, we, we, we managed to hang out, you know, have lunch. Um, and he, he was a super chill guy too. He's really quiet. Yeah, oh, wow, he was really okay. quiet. He was really I would quiet. Never think for he, him he, to be he, quiet. He, he didn't speak much. You know, it's like if you talk to him, then then he'll reply you. You know, but he <laughs> he wouldn't like initiate like conversations. He's not a very social person. Yeah, yeah, but but that's him. But like, he's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and, and the show was show was dope. That I was remember. RTB Fest, right? Twenty sixteen as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember he pulled up like he Sona jumped into the crowd as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I remember trying to get the photo of that. Yeah, like him in yeah. the crowd. That was awesome. Yeah, and there were a lot of um, because of occasion, we were able to bring out um, people that you know otherwise wouldn't have known about RTB, right? Like yeah, yeah. Um, fans of just korean hip-hop yeah and that's a lot yeah um so yeah that, that, was, that was exciting yeah nice well you mentioned stones throw records earlier one of my favorite hip-hop record labels as well yeah. peanut butter wolf has done an amazing job but you organized a dealer appreciation night back in 2014 <laughs> and a really funny thing happened was someone came up to you and asked yeah. you what time dealer was playing yeah yeah 
And I think Ultimate was next to me. <laughs> he was very close. So he was the first. He was the first one to tweet about it, right? And then. And then it just took off no, from there. Like, like, knowing Ultimate, he's definitely the person to like tweet yeah, about it. Yeah, but I like my response to it wasn't even like yo like Dilla's like you know like dead you know. He like, was like, oh, I forgot la. what I said. I think like <laughs> stuck in, in a bit. I think I said in a, in a while. You know, <laughs> I just played the you know? Yeah. But my question is, how mm. important is it for the current generation of artists and music consumers mm. to be aware of the history of the culture, especially in hip hop? I think it's important to be aware and to be appreciative of what came before, okay. uh, but not be too obsessed about it because you always want to move the needle and you know push things forward, right? You can't yeah. be like um, you you can't just romanticize like the golden age of hip hop, you know, because yeah. it it needs to. Um, for for a culture or a genre to stay relevant, um, you gotta always innovate. You know, you always gotta try different things, right? Um, so I think that is my, that's definitely my take on it. And obviously, if you listen to more shit, um, I mean, I've always said, right? Like even rappers, right? Like those that come from um, a non hip hop background usually make more interesting music. They just have a whole different take on like what hip hop or rap should be. Is you know? right, yeah. yeah, like this kid, uh, Rudin, who's like um, I think previously he was uh, like part of a punk band or something. So he okay. came out and you know recently and just did like a whole like MGK kind of style kind of kind wow. of thing and he he can really sing. He, he can really sing and um, definitely better than Bang Fei. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like definitely, man. Like yeah, just having all of that, right? Uh, I think it's important to 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 really to. I mean, everyone starts out as a fan, yeah, right? You That's know, okay. like you never stop discovering music, no matter how much of your own music you're making. Yeah. You never stop discovering. Yeah, I saw your Spotify rap. Um, and there was like <laughs> thousand six like um, <laughs> new artists discovered. I was like, that's a lot. And I checked out mine. I was like, well, I'm only listening to local artists, and most of them are like my artists. <laughs> yeah, that's support though. Even posted. I was like, what? <laughs> but it's yeah. really awesome to see that you've built a platform that has not only educated um, the consumers and your fans about music that has come from the 90s and early 2000s but also about upcoming music and new artists you know from recent years you've also built raising the bar to be a platform that truly highlights inclusivity and i yeah. think that's something that kind of lacked in hip-hop in the 2000s yeah. because nowadays we see a lot of female rappers coming out mm. in the u.s and europe you have doja cat you have rico nasty and they're really blowing up now but during that 2000s period, it was really rare to see female rappers, especially in the local Malaysian hip-hop scene. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 How did you come about at the time f with the idea for Raising the Bra, <laughs> which was a show that highlighted female artists? Yeah, it was a controversial name. Yeah, and what was the response to the show like? Um, we, if I'm not mistaken, we had, uh, we ran it twice. Yeah, uh, you Over did. like two years. Uh, so the response obviously is great, right? You have like, um, 
it's it's a it's a female fronted lineup. So obviously yeah. the boys would come out, but the girls would also come out to support their girls, yeah. right? So it's it's definitely a no brainer. But I think raising the brow was a was a controversial name. I think, I think it's such a dope name. Yeah, though. I thought so too. And uh, some some feminists like like called this out and stuff like that. They were like, oh man, like we can't take it back. Like we we put out the the, the poster. The poster. Can't <laughs> ask the graphic designer to edit yeah, it. Yeah, but, but um. That was around the time when we were um, introducing a lot of different themes when we did shows, okay. and that was our workaround for um, when when it came to booking local artists and and making sure that we didn't run out of artists, right? Okay. So like, okay, with with let's say we've booked eighty percent of of the scene, right? Yeah. Like, who's next? Like, what if like we introduce different themes? So okay, you see the same guys come in, but like they're doing something else. So for example, like um, we had um, throwback to the nineties. Okay. Um, that was when we would invite um, Joe, Sona. They would come and perform. Um, but then instead of performing originals, it becomes like a karaoke night. So they <laughs> put, they they choose like what songs they like from the nineties and they perform those songs. Nice. And most of the time, they would come like dressed up and everything. Wow. Um, I think Anta Sapu Sapu Anta was my favorite. They did oh. like a Beastie Boys. Um, um, song um, I don't remember Which what it was called uh, Intergalactic or something like that oh. uh, uh, but but he, they came with the whole BC Boys get up uh, so they were super into it and yeah. I was like wow this is so fun and uh, we did we also did a lot of co- collaborations with different communities okay. uh, for example we had one night where it was I think it was called RTB Spoken Word, RTB Poetry Jam. Wow. So we're like, okay, we had guys like Amanra, Sela come and wow. uh, do their thing, but no beats. So they right. have to compete with these guys, you know, that are so used in this format of, of, of you know, just saying words, you know, these poets, right? Yeah. And um, it was definitely an eye-opening night because you could see like, guys like Aman, who's always like 100%, so confident, yeah. and you can see him like, shake a little bit you know? <laughs> like, when, when you like, put them against like spoken word poets right yeah. um, but it was so nice to see guys like that like just step out of their comfort zone and just doing something different um, so that was what we did introducing different themes every month um, to keep things exciting and, and wow. not run out of acts to book <laughs> yeah and then Raising the Brow was one of them yeah, oh, okay, yeah so it was okay. cool you mentioned Sona a couple of times you know and I think one of my first Raising the Bar shows was 2011, 2012. Yeah. And I was like at the back of the room, but I would see Sona on his computer, Correct. just like making beats. And then when oh, it's yeah. his turn to like jump on stage, he would jump on stage, like rap or perform or freestyle. Yeah, dude. And then go back to his computer now and that, just make yeah, beats. Now that you mentioned, he was like making beats at shows. <laughs> yeah, no, like Sona was always working and I was like, wow, <laughs> this yeah. guy's work ethic Crazy is style. like... Yeah, the grind never stops, right? Yeah, yeah. now that you mentioned, I've, I've never noticed it until you pointed it out. What? <laughs> how how important, you know, has Sona, Joe, Cartel in any way played a role in the development or success of raising the bar, definitely. especially in its early yeah, days. Yeah, definitely. I think they land 
some of um, their star power to RTB, right? Especially in the early years. And, you know, there were a few shows where Joe would just hit me up and I think he was probably bored and he was like, hey, let me do a set. You know, maybe there was a new song out. I think okay. we, we uh, right before the Havoc album came out, um, this was December, and um, he, he just came through and did a surprise performance and, and just performed most of the songs on the album for the first time. So, wow. you know, um, it's just creating moments like that, um, which really, um, which really is what RTV is about, you know, and just very specific moments that you just can't forget. Um, okay. And I think guys like Joe, Sona, for them to be at that level yeah. and having that amount of star power to actually, you know, like come to RTV come by, and yeah. show love, right? And, and yeah. really connect with the fans as yeah. well. Um, so it, it's crazy. We were, yeah, RTV definitely bridged the gap between like artists and audiences so yeah okay we, we see a lot of support from joe and sona towards rtb in its early days and i think you know you picked some of that up as well because you're one of the most supportive people of the freelance creative scene for sure in kl like you've worked with uh, I've, we've worked together personally on a few projects yeah. you've worked with alicia Firus, who's an amazing graphic designer you've worked with uh, atong and amani on some music videos as well how did you de develop this philosophy, if philosophy is the right word, how did you develop this philosophy of highlighting independent creatives from the local KL scene? Uh, I mean, I don't really think about it, right? It's just that I think it's just my, it's just how I work and how I delegate tasks, right? Um, I try not to give jobs to only people that I know or okay. people that are in my immediate circle. Um, so every time I need something done, it's based on that specific project. So I would pull people in with different strengths and, you know, with different capabilities for, for, for different projects. So I think that's, that's, that's vital in, you know, really just spreading the opportunities around. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it's, it's never been a conscious decision. It's just like, hey, if I want something done, if I want to cover art design, like who can do this? Like okay. maybe my last guy can't, can't really execute this style, but like this girl can do it, you know, even okay. though I've never worked with her, so I'm reaching out. Okay. Yeah, but with Amani, you know, that was, um, I think that was Luna Dira's um, um, contact. Okay, know, yeah. Um, I think she shot... Um, the stuck with you music video. Yeah, and that's how I got you. to know her as well. Right. Yeah, but okay. uh, a lot of the times it also came from the artist. Okay. Yeah, you know the artist telling me like, hey, um, you know, like I really want to work with these guys and these guys or like yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when when I speak to them as well, like Alicia and Amani and Athong, mm. you're one of the nicest people to work with. One of the easiest clients to work I with am, uh, because you know exactly what you want. You know, it's uh, right. maybe in my experience, you know exactly what you want. <laughs> you know, it's not like I don't know what I want. Show me first, then I will decide. I need oh, three that's a options. Client thing, right? Yeah. Mm. How can clients mm. be better clients? <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, this is a hard one. I mean, clients really just need to trust creatives, right? Okay. I mean, they hire creatives for a reason because they can't do it, right? Yeah. Um, you you give a brief. Um, but I think it's important to have some wiggle room, right? Yeah. Um, because you need, uh, a lot of times you need, you, you would want um, the input of the creatives as well. Yeah. You know, you, wanna, you want them to add their own touch, personal touch to it. Because otherwise, why you hire this person? Just get some <laughs> run of the mill, like, like designer or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, some guy yeah. who can just do the right. job. Right, so yeah. like, I think it's really trusting 
um, the creatives and, and really trusting the, the process and just working together in achieving the best outcome possible. Uh, that's the only thing I can say. But you know, it's it's, it's easier said than done, right? Yeah, because, no, definitely. Uh, because like agencies, for example, would need to answer to clients, yeah. and you know, most of the time they're stuck in this really difficult spot as well. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's easy. But I think like uh, uh, creatives, on the other hand, need to sometimes stand up for what they believe in. Yeah, you know, that's and really true. try to push things through if they really. Are passionate about the project about exactly yeah, yeah 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 like if you have a better idea than what's being proposed like just suggest it like the the most they can do is just tell you like no we're gonna stick to our, our idea yeah okay I think it's a bit of like give and take yeah, yeah because a lot of times like creatives also they're like they're scared they don't want to rock the boat right? yeah like, and I think it's about um, communication between the oh, creatives yeah, and client yeah true right 100% uh, communication yeah I remember when you approached me and you were like um Roshan, I have a photo. I have a photo shoot job for you, and uh, it's for this new artist that I found on SoundCloud. His name is Alice. Right. But his name is now Phase. P H B Z E. I remember uh, sneaking up uh, to the rooftop oh at Empire Damansara. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> I, I kept I kept thinking about the the recent one that we no, no, did. No, no, it's no. not even that. This is when he was Phase. I think this was like 2016, early 2016, so late 2015. Dumb, bro. And we snuck up Empire Damansara's rooftop yeah. and we were shooting with he Flash. Was wearing glasses. Yeah, and the security came after us and was like, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I think we only managed to get like some shots in, right? Yeah, right. we got like a couple of shots, but the shots worked like with the bokeh in the yeah, background yeah, 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 and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. Wow, the, that's so dope. Yeah. I think this was before his um, his first show was with this way major before. Drop or yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. I remember you sending me the SoundCloud link, and I was like, "Wow, this guy is really good." And then you were like, "Yeah," and he's recording his vocals on yeah. his iPhone. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Mike, oh my god, mic. that, that brings back a lot of memories. That was uh, around the time he got his first write up, right? That was like yeah. Juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Juice was the one, the, the first publication that that specifically mentioned the the, the earphone recording with uh, the recording on thing. the earphones yeah. so that was brought up all the time in in in, in future interviews yeah that we did yeah. everyone wanted to know like so what's going on like how how do you how record recording this? Like, stuff how does it sound so good you yeah. know like even though you're using that so it's like he plays around so he's always been yeah. good with like um he's always known what he wants to do with his vocals that's pretty much that's it. super dope. yeah yeah when when uh, when you first sent me Elif stuff and you asked me about the photo shoot, I, I think I was in Singapore at the time, huh? and uh, I was with uh, now the group is called Island Boys. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, right, right, at the right, time, right. like the wavy still exists, but you know the whole group was just wavy, and I was showing them. Your Jin Hackman just sent me this artist Elif's. Yeah. You should. You guys should check it out. Yeah. And and then over the couple of years, I saw you started working with like artists like a uh, Fox producers right. like Fox, and yeah. then um, you booked. Um, What's the name for a hard, uh, Welcome to Heartbreak? Sam Ray. Sam Ray. Yeah, you yeah. started working with Sam Ray and you started bridging that gap between Singapore and KL right. in a certain right. sense. Was that a conscious move from your end? What did you see in Singapore that, you know, could... What, what did you see could come from bridging the gap between Singapore and KL? Because Singapore had amazing artists like Mediocre yeah. hack, uh, <laughs> Hacker Crew. Omar yeah. Kenobi is one of my favorite rappers from yeah. Singapore. Yeah. And then you had the new artists that you were developing, you know, yeah, Aleph yeah. specifically, and then what came out from that was Bagel. Yeah. Which was an awesome EP. Yeah. What was the wow. idea behind that? I'm trying to recall how this happened, but I've always been, uh, prior to Bagel, prior to reaching out to, 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 
to Fox and yeah. um, even you know booking Samurai right, which which he produced for. Um, I was a fan first of, of Fox. Um, yeah. I think this was the time when he was just putting out beats, like on know? Bandcamp for yeah, free. I, th- I think there was the yeah, exactly. I think there was one specific song that um, that I really gravitated to. It was called like. Tanks, um, tanks, Miss Panda. Oh, thanks, Miss Panda. Like, yeah, it's just like a, a visual of a, a car or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that was like a suicide right? trip, I think. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, Whoa, what is this? And then, wow. You know, I, and then I went to his SoundCloud. I was like, I was hearing all these, you know, Matt Lip sounding beats. Yeah. Right? I was like, shit. Like, I didn't know producers made uh, beat tapes. You know, in in this in this part of the world, yeah. right? So that was and so exciting for me because I I. Um, I think that was the, around the time also where I was following the development of, of a movement like um, uh, uh, low-end theory and stuff right. like that, you know, like okay. the beat scene because I was yeah. introduced to that by like some friends that I was hanging around okay. at the time, right? So I was like, shit, I didn't know like, you know, like people made this here. <laughs> Especially yeah. like, I would say for Southeast Asia, Asian, Fox was pretty early on to the style yeah. of beat making, especially yeah, on yeah. the SPs. Like yeah. Madlib was, was using the, the, the mask, at the time. and he was wearing the yeah. mask, and like, I, <laughs> it was just a crazy period. Yeah. Of I time. just reached out um, on Facebook. Oh wow! Like, hey, okay. You know, do you wanna? You know, here's a here's a new artist. Yeah. Uh, probably the same way I I pitch you the uh, Alif's idea for the photo shoot. Okay. Here's a new uh, artist. Here's his SoundCloud and here's his first article. Yeah. Um, you know, if you see potential in him, maybe we could work. Uh, we could work together in something, right? Um, and then he just he, he replied um, immediately, and we started talking, you know, back and forth. And before you know it, um, he he came down by bus to, <laughs> to KL. Um, I wow! Like I think I put him up at, at DP. Uh, yeah, in DP place. at my yeah, yeah. my Airbnb. Uh, yeah, yeah. At a place I wasn't staying. And there. he was staying there for like six months, right? Yeah, dude. Before he had to <laughs> Bali Kampung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, wow, that's so crazy, and. Um, yeah, that, that was how it happened. That was really how it happened. Wow. Yeah, that was really how it happened. And that whole Bagel EP was just done within two weeks. In Kota wow. de Mansara, I was running a studio here. Yeah. Uh, like a hole in the wall, like studio, just like a mic uh, interface. It wasn't properly treated. <laughs> um, but they, they, you know, Fox made it work. Yeah, wow, Fox really dope. made it work. And within two weeks, um, and how the Bagel idea came out was... Um, uh, they, I think it was the first session. The first, the first session, they came out with a song. They came out with a song called Tinder. Oh, uh, we, we didn't put that on. Because <laughs> of, well, maybe it was a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit cheesy. Yeah. Um, but after they recorded Tinder, uh, right after the session, they went to this cafe called Molecules. Okay. And they yeah. Had this bagel, and so they went back to the studio right after and recorded a song about the bagel. Oh wow. Yeah. So that that after that everything just you know trickled down and then you have the EP and it's it's so it's really amazing watching Fox work. He just has a very different approach to to just songwriting and re- yeah. and production. It's, it's yeah. Wow, okay. Well, over the last five years, like with artists like Airlifts and uh, now you're working with uh, Lunadira, Leon Sapphire, Ready Rocket, you've been a pivotal aspect of their development. I hope so. I would say. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> confidently, I, if I ask them, I'm pretty sure they would say the same thing. Thank you. But you've been more than an heir now to these guys. Like, you're like a dad to them in some sense like you go grocery shopping with Alev oh you saw that yeah oh, <laughs> you know God, and stuff yeah. like that what is your approach 
towards you know managing these artists and what is the goal by being a lot more closer to them than your typical or regular A&R from like Sony or Warner right um I mean wait what's the question again like how what was the question sorry I spaced mm. out it's okay what's your approach uh-huh. towards these artists okay and what is the goal you know in you being closer to them than right. your typical A&R I mean ultimately is working with the artists to help them achieve their vision right um because the one of the first things that we do when 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 at least for me when I when when we're on the verge of signing an artist is um, or right after signing we would sit down with them and then plan out like three years or you know at least the next year like what do you want to do because because different artists have different pathways that they want to yeah. take you know not everyone wants to win let's say a Grammy you yeah. know some people do it um, as, as just like a self-satisfying thing yeah. you know some people do it because hey this is the only thing I have and like I gotta make sure you know, it works this happens because yeah. I have no backup plan you know because it's, it's different for every artist so it's just having that in mind and and you know approaching each artist differently and okay. you know obviously working with with the people you know different different artists have have different um, 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 personalities you know yeah. so obviously you know it's a, it's a trial and everything <laughs> figuring right? out what they like exactly. what they don't like how they work yeah like yeah. I, I think the first few shows I was like yo Elives why are you showing up to shows an hour before <laughs> like why are you so early I've never had this problem you know and then there's some artists where you would have to make sure you know you have to call to make sure they're on time right yeah um, so yeah it's, it's a lot of that and um, it's really communication and, and just building that relationship lah. yeah I mean I, I haven't had as much time as before now that I have the kid but yeah. like now I have a now being a real dad um, to, to help me out right but it's okay. a lot of that it's, it, it goes beyond just music it's just checking in on them whenever I can okay. you know just seeing how they're doing because they're they're, they're people they're humans um, first and foremost before before they're artists right yeah um, so yeah definitely it's just providing everything I can for them so that they don't have to worry about petty shit and can therefore focus on just being creative. Okay. Yeah. So how has the last nine months been for you through this pandemic? What have you been up to? Oh, it's been, have you it's been, been dealing little, with it? It's been a little tough. Um, I mean, obviously there are no shows uh, yeah. with, with the label, um, at least this way of records. Yeah. Um, like the primary source of revenue has always been shows shows yeah same for us at festivals, like Saturday right? Selects, yeah. yeah so that really put things in perspective because okay. like okay we have been like relying on this <laughs> source of income yeah this stream of income so heavily so what happens when something just takes it away you know yeah. so we're like okay so now we're gonna focus on 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 building um, every artist social media presence just you know working on 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 the growth of the streams you okay. know just making sure there are other avenues um income uh, for for to 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 make revenue yeah okay. not just s- like solely 
focusing on on shows and just hoping shows will forever come right because yeah, you never back. know like we just want to be prepared for the next time a pandemic happens you want to make sure the <laughs> next time there's something like covid we're ready we're like okay we don't need shows you know we have streaming yeah. our streaming numbers look good um you know like we can we can strike a uh, a partnership deal with with the brand and make sure everything's covered for an artist at least for the next six months. You know, is okay. is is approaching it in 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 a lot in in a very different way. Okay. Yeah. So you're like focusing now right now on like the digital aspect of your artist, like the social media presence, yeah. like you said, the streaming yeah. numbers. Streaming could be like if you work at it. it it could eventually be passive income, right? Yeah, like, no, definitely. Because it keeps coming. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, pandemic or no pandemic, like people are streaming songs. Yeah. Then you just collect your MACP at the end exactly. of the year. Publishing, yeah. But like you, but like you're mentioning about streaming numbers. What are your thoughts on Spotify introducing this new? Or you can take a cut of your streams, and we will put you into uh, certain playlists. I don't know if you saw that. Like uh, artists can opt now to take lesser amounts of money for their is streams. This on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spotify yeah. provides this. Now they're providing this. They, what the they, fuck? they announced it, I think, a week or two Dude, weeks ago. I had back. no ideas, yeah. Yeah, okay, so just off the top of your head, hearing this for the first yeah, time. Yeah. Would you, as if you were in the artist position, yeah. would you take a cut just to get onto these playlists? Like, and it's about, I think, uh, 50% cut or 75% cut? That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. Like, I would question. I'll definitely question. Uh, I'm definitely interested, but I'll definitely <laughs> questions, right? Um, what are the playlists? You know? Okay, yeah, fair <laughs> and, enough. <laughs> and what if you don't land playlists? You know, do you still have to give up that cut? Okay. You know, because obviously, I think what they're trying to do, what Spotify is trying to do, is they're trying to run those um, playlist services out of business because uh, there are existing playlist services, yeah, right? Yeah, where yeah. like you you pay an upfront sum, okay, and then you know based on that, and then they'll they'll they'll, they'll pitch lah for for Spotify playlists or right. Apple Music playlists, you know. But there's no there's always no guarantee um, whether you're gonna hit um, the major playlist. Um, and a lot of times, you I think there have been complaints that you know artists would would have their songs ending up on. Playlist with unknown playlists with bots, you know. Unknown so playlist bots. Yeah, yeah. we're like bots, you know. Like 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 you see the streaming numbers, but they don't look like legit. Oh right, 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 So right, right. I I think that's a way for Spotify to pick that up, right? And that messes with the with the whole algorithm when 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 you start paying for for streams or or for playlists. Um, but I'm I'm sure there are some that are legit, but it's okay. just that the ones that I've come across so far are not. Um, but definitely, I think this is Spotify. You know, Spotify <laughs> trying to make more money, coming out and saying like, "Hey, you don't need those guys. Like, yeah. give us, give us, you know, uh, give a, us a the cut money. of your of yeah. your income, and we'll do it for you because we're Spotify. <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> we're 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 modern age radio. We control what people are listening to right now, right? Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we decide who you listen to next. Uh, each person listen to next. Yeah. <laughs> so. Ending on that note, yeah. who should Malaysians be listening to next? Oh and wow, Malaysian artists. Uh, Damir is a really good one. I mean, he's not Malaysian, Malaysian, right? Yeah, he's but not. He's, but based in Malaysia. So we, we'll and take him for now. Yeah. <laughs> and he just got that deal with Majestic. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's definitely a big move. Um, oh my God, there's so there's so many right now. Um, Clumsy Gang just released. Oh yeah, um, the new EP. Their EP, yeah. their album. Album, right? More yeah, okay, five songs. Um, then you have guys like um, uh, I love Clay's Baguette. Oh, yeah, and you're from GB. with Clay's. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I call him Tarash Tarash. Yeah. <laughs> Tarash. Yeah, <I'm> from Clay's. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
I mean, on my end, um, soon we're also distributing um, EPs from Oramlaya. And, oh, nice. And, and it's Oramlaya's uh, first uh, full Malay EP, and, and it's sounding really good. And Kaiden is also a really new wow. kid from, okay. from Kuching, right? Um, that does a lot right now, like, even, you know, in the hip-hop scene itself, like, wow, so many to choose from. Yeah, just, just like so the few that have, from. like, really caught your attention the yeah, past, like, nine yeah, months. Yeah, uh, there's this guy, Ini, or something, Ini. I don't even know how to pronounce it, from, okay. from Kuching, right? Oh, and wow. he, he he raps on, like, boom-bap beats, beats oh, but, shit, like, okay. he has, like, a very oral sweatshirt kind of vibe style yeah. to to, okay. to to rapping yeah right. so it, it, he has a really great voice as well so i feel I like k-click really just gave bridge yeah. the gap between east malaysia and west malaysia that yeah. i never even knew that there was a gap <laughs> in yeah, the dude, first 100%. place like uh, they really opened the doors right yeah for, and for everyone now too. we see a bunch of rappers coming out from like kuching kk yeah. like and it's really like awesome to see this happening yeah, i'm not sure if i'm right but like i felt like the mindset before uh the mindset with a lot of east malaysian creatives or at least artists la, like yeah. um or at least the ones that i've spoken to so far right um or before um they're always telling me they're not they don't feel like they're good enough and right. you know they always look at like the kl scene as like the the, the place to be the to bar, make it work the, the benchmark yeah. yeah like you know i i'm not good enough like you know i, I can't i can't um hold my own against you know okay. these guys from kl which is obviously not the case okay it's obviously not the case these guys are like super talented, talented. Yeah. kl's like our new york exactly in, yeah yeah you know, in the uh, and it's just something in the water, right? Like with with <laughs> with Strawa and Sabah, it's just yeah. It's just that. But before we end uh, the conversation, yeah, I would like to get your input on what can we, as fans of raising the bar and music enthusiasts, do to contribute to the ecosystem uh. of artists that ex- local artists that exist in Malaysia. I mean, if you're if you're a fan, uh, obviously keep streaming songs on yeah. your preferred uh, platform. platforms um, keep buying merch you know yeah. but I, I know it's tough right it's COVID like yeah. you can't even figure out how to pay rent you know the last thing you're gonna think about is is, is buying an artist merch you know yeah. but if you have um, if you're in the position to do it I think you should definitely do it yeah um, go out to shows support the artists uh, however you can watch their live streams <laughs> exactly yeah I can watch your live streams yeah. you know because a lot of artists are trying to make this happen or trying to make this like music a real thing and yeah. you know uh, they're trying to to eventually live off music you know like True. not yeah. maybe half of them are doing it for fun you know as hobbies but yeah. there there are some that are doing it this is their life because yeah. you know they want to really make this happen and they only want to do music right yeah so it's their job in a way like how do you yeah i think it's just really supporting artists however you can you know at every stage of their career i mean especially if if they're first starting out you know and they need that help because an artist is nothing without their without a tribe without a community without a fan base i always say that and likewise as artists you gotta really you know find and develop your fan base you yeah. know and nurture that that fan base right yeah because uh, that's really the only way to to that's not really the only way to go and um i guess if you i don't know if that this answers your question but um i tweeted something like a few months ago where okay. like i said 
hey, like you know, like not everyone has to be an artist, right? Not yeah, yeah, I saw stage, that, right? So like, if if you know, I'm not saying stop making music, but you can contribute to the scene in many other ways. You know, like if you're a graphic designer designing a cover art for your favorite artist, you're already contributing. You're you're as important. You're playing. Um, as important of a role as an artist on stage performing, you know, like hundred percent. If you're making videos um, or even coloring videos, you're doing your your part already to make sure for there's the growth for the scene. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's like that. Like like the scene can't make it if everyone just wants to be artists <laughs> then we're yeah. fucking gonna die like nobody is like the, the running joke last time where everyone wanted to be um, a DJ and, oh yeah, you know, yeah there yeah. were no doctors and <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh shit <laughs> doctors becoming you know, DJs yeah, yeah like find your strength and like play to it right yeah, yeah I think that's key yeah alright more, so <laughs> more managers more managers more managers that know what they're doing <laughs> so you recently launched uh, a new brand uh, oh, yeah. Called Tong Tong Asia. Yeah. What can we expect from Jin Hackman and Tong Tong Asia going into 2021 and beyond? Uh, Tong Tong Asia is, is kind of like my new baby, but not really because it's an extension of this Red Records, right? So okay. this Red Records is, is put on pause for now um, as we move into a more um, artist management role. And, you know, now, like with Tong Tong Asia, we're a bit more client facing, you know, we provide services beyond just um, artist management, you know, we, we, we do consultation, we do publishing, we do uh, marketing and PR for, let's say you have a release. So, you know, there, we, we have taken on some projects, some clients where we work with them on like a three month um, basis. And right. you know, like, hey, you have a release coming out. We'll be there for you every step of the way. We are your managers for those three months, you know? Right. And after that, like, you know, you're on your own okay. uh, until you need us again. You know? <laughs> so, so that's our approach now, okay. right? Since COVID happened, we're like, okay, this label thing, um, you know, maybe it's not really working out. So we're like, okay, let's focus on what we're good at and what we're good at has always been this artist management thing and and really managing you know like different types of artists okay. as well you know, in, in different spaces nice. you know, within the scene yeah so I, I feel like that's something that a major label staff can't necessarily do you know because okay. they're so wrapped in um working with um, working and, and with and breaking uh, mass mar- mass market artists okay so this is where we come in so uh, I think since even even with this where records there were a lot of urban English artists that would reach out to us and, and just ask for help because they see us doing this thing that not a lot of other labels are doing okay yeah. well if you're a, a budding artist rising artist or producer and you're listening in if you need help holler at Jin yeah. You know, reach out to Tong Tong Asia. Yeah. I, you reach out to me, I'm going to put you in touch with Jin. <laughs> you know, but Jin, before we end, Spotify beat you to it. Can we expect a wrap up this year? Oh, no, a man. A 2020 oh, wrap up. I think I'm done with that. You're right? done? Yeah, I mean, as much as I want to do it this year, but like, uh, there's, there's so many things that happened this year. I don't so think we can, I can. We're, we're expecting like a wrap up as long as run this. <laughs> yeah, probably longer. Probably <laughs> longer. Yeah, wow, longer. Okay. Probably maybe like twenty minutes. Easy, twenty right? minutes. Yeah. Wow. Oh wow! Like this year, it would have been nice if, if there was one this year, right? But yeah. Like, 
This is like a live streamed <laughs> wrap up. <laughs> Twenty like half an hour live stream oh, wrap up. Oh shit! I I don't think I can. <laughs> uh, my my head is just someplace else right now. But I do hope like someone just someone, someone just takes on continues this takes right? on the mantle. Yeah, Who would yeah. you want to? Uh, like this personally, is, this is guy that works for me now, uh, okay. he writes for RTB, I maniac, so uh, like he's probably a, a good fit. Oh for it. shit! <laughs> okay, that's dope. Yeah. Jin, thank you so much okay, for, for coming by and awesome. having this conversation with us. We really so appreciate fun. you. You're a big uh, inspiration and motivation to us. Like I said, if you ever need help, sure. If you if there's ever any projects for us to work together on, likewise, I'm coming to you. Thank 100%. you again, man. Yeah, really thank appreciate you. Thank it. Thank you so much. For Thanks. Having me.